Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. We're about to, uh, as we wrap up today, we're actually going to launch into a short message series uh, starting next week on the book of Jonah, and uh, we're going to call this Out of Control, Trusting God in Crisis. And uh, so if you want to kind of pre-read Jonah this week, that's probably a good idea. It's just four chapters long. It's a crazy story. Uh, it's, I believe in the, the truth of Jonah. I believe it's a literal story. Um, so it's more of an account than a story. Let's call it that. Um, as this prophet who had a hard time obeying God and, uh, and we're going to see what happens as he kind of struggles in his response and obedience, uh, to the Lord. So that's in the book of Jonah. We're called out of control, uh, responding to God in times of crisis. Well, we are, um, we're in Galatians chapter six today. So if you want to start finding that, uh, you can. Galatians chapter six. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, and I don't know if this still happens, and the teachers in the room would have to, to help me out with this one, but I remember as a, as a kid and through high school, when you, when you had a test, a, a pop quiz, a, a, a test, a, you know, write a short essay about whatever it was, invariably there's someone in the classroom that puts their hand up and asks, do you know what question always got asked? Does spelling count? Do you remember that? Anybody else ask it? Does spelling count? Always, always someone asks the question, does spelling count? Or if you went to college at the start of the semester, you'd get that syllabus or the syllabi, you go through that syllabus shock in each class, like, oh no, I'm never going to make it through the semester. And you look through and you see, okay, what are the assignments that are small enough that if I have to skip something, I can skip, okay, there's only 5% for, you know, in-class participation, all right, I can let that one go, whatever, you would kind of wonder, what really counts in this course, where am I really going to get my my grades, well, we are going to talk today about what really counts, and one of them is not spelling, so just let you off the hook right now, if you've got your Bible open in Galatians chapter 6, I know we've been on our feet for worship, but if you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, I'd appreciate that together, Galatians chapter 6, and I'm picking it up at verse 11, the Apostle Paul is writing to his friends. This is the final kind of words of this amazing letter. And he, he, Paul always writes, has a, like a secretary writing for him, but now he picks up the, the pen himself and he says, verse 11, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Remember, there's issues of potentially about eyesight issues and so on for Paul, but he's kind of endorsing this letter personally. Verse 12, Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. Verse 14, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. 
It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Verse 17, from now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's be seated together. So here we are at the end of this letter. uh, and, And the Apostle Paul has just kind of been hammering this message for us over and over and over again. That we all need to be made right with God because of our sin. The sin that separates us from him. And it doesn't happen by keeping the rules. It happens only by our faith in God's grace made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's the message that we're made free in Christ and we stay free by keeping in step, by walking with the Holy Spirit, letting him direct our lives. Way back in chapter one, way back in chapter one, we started with Paul's, you know, astonishment to these these friends uh, at their at their kind of deception regarding the gospel. Verses uh, six and seven of chapter one says this, he says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. So Paul's really kind of said, man, I just can't believe you guys are slipping away from this true gospel. And so he's He's wrapping up this letter and keep in mind that what we have in scripture is the Holy Spirit speaking, inspired uh, by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote these things, but we're wrapping up this challenge to, you know, to stay true to the faith uh, by considering what really, really counts as Paul puts the pen himself to paper, what really matters. And so I've got three thoughts about what really counts. The first thing is this, what really counts is substance over image substance over image. You see that in verses uh, 12. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good for others. Substance over image. We held a memorial service here yesterday. Diane Goosen, one of our longtime members who passed away recently. And memorial services are one of the few places, I mean, weddings as, as well, where you're going to see me in a suit and tie. And uh, and typically, if if my wife's home when I'm when I'm heading out of the house, she will say, oh, you look good. I, I know it's she's obligated to say that, but it feels fantastic. I love the compliment. Makes me think of the ZZ Top song, Every Girl's Crazy But a Sharp Dressed Man, right? I just, you know, it's great. And I'm happy to dress up. I don't, I don't mind. Uh, uh, so, but if I showed up for a memorial service... And I stood up here in a suit and I just stood and, and smiled and waited for compliments and, and, and just didn't actually say anything worthwhile. You'd be pretty disappointed. I mean, image is nice, but substance is what matters. And Paul warned that, that these law promoting false teachers were, were all image and no substance. He says those, those verse, first part of 12, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others, not for the Galatians to look good. He's like, hey, they, they just want you to look good. No, they themselves wanted to look good. It was all about them. And this is one of the warning flags of a false teacher. Always, always, always. They're always more concerned about appearances 
right, or about popularity than they are about truth. And and you may know people like that, or you may kind of in your mind think about someone who's just, you know, they're all about the image, but there's nothing kind of a substance there. And I'm not saying image is nothing, right? I'm not standing here in sweats today in a painting shirt. I mean, that would be, you know, no matter how eloquent of a message I brought you, that would be disrespectful. That would be distracting at least. It's okay to look good. It's okay to dress up, right? But looking good, sounding good in place of speaking truth is actually hypocrisy and it's heresy to do that. You're distracting like, hey, look and look, look how I look and sound and not actually saying the truth. And, and the, the real reason for the high value on image for those false teachers is that they didn't want to deal with the persecution that comes from speaking the truth of the gospel. Paul writes in the second part of that verse 12, he says, they don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. I want to say something about about what's happening in churches. And listen, I love the church. It's the body of Christ. I love, I don't just love Jesus, I love his body. The church is the bride of Christ. I don't love Jesus, just love Jesus, I love his bride. I love the church in its great wide variety. There's so many kind of beautiful forms of the church here and around the world. But I have to say that there are churches that abandon scripture and the truth of the gospel so that they can embrace an image of being unoffensive, being, you know, accepting and understanding. And they're afraid of being persecuted for teaching the truth of the gospel that you're saved by Christ alone. Listen, I love you no matter where you're at in your sin struggle, in your addiction, in your lifestyle Whatever, wherever you are, I love you where you are, but I am always, always, always going to call you to the truth of Scripture. The truth that Jesus says, come to me, leave your life of sin, follow me, repent, be saved, be baptized. I'm always going to call you to the truth. I'm going to call you to surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ. I don't care where you're starting from. That's irrelevant. Because Jesus is the one that leads us to wholeness. And so I can love you no matter what kind of, you know, what you look like, what you're doing, what you're up to. But are you willing to come toward Christ and come under his lordship and leadership? And so that's why as a church and why as a pastor, I will always speak what's true in scripture, even when it's not popular. All right. The gospel of grace doesn't make your sin acceptable. Listen, the gospel of grace does not just make your sin okay. The gospel of grace sets you free from sin and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And so it's okay to say, listen, these things are wrong, but Jesus calls you out of those things. And when a church or a believer says, you know, it's probably okay that you do that. God loves you anyway. Yes, God does love you, but he doesn't want to leave you there. Do you understand that difference? And so we want to be people who speak the truth and we do it with the utmost love and compassion and a broken heart. With tears, Paul will plead for people. I mean, with tears, we plead with someone, come to Christ. Don't stay where you are. Leave that life. Come and follow him. That's the invitation of the gospel. And we got to be people who are about that. And so, listen, it's the gospel of grace. It's your faith in Christ that makes you acceptable to that holy, holy, holy God we just sang about 
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Do you really want to try standing before God in your own version of righteousness? Do you want to stand before a holy, perfect God and say, God, I've been pretty good. I didn't kill anybody. God, I've been a, a nice person. I was, I was helpful in my kid's school. God, is that good enough? I don't want to stand before God in my own version of righteousness. I know I am not righteous on my own. I know my own righteousness is, is a mess, is filth. It's only by Jesus, it's only by trusting in Christ that I have any standing at all. And we've got to be able to speak that. It's a good place for an amen. We want to bring our lives under the Lordship of Christ. So beware of those who are all about image and not about substance. Because what matters is substance. And Paul says, even if it's going to lead to persecution, we stand there with substance. All right, what else really counts? What else really counts is getting cross-eyed. Getting cross-eyed. All right, let me let me give you the context because uh, I sometimes tell stories about my childhood. And I was I grew up in a small country school, and uh, we were horrible children. We we really were terrible. Uh, any kid that stood out. They got teased. They got bullied. I mean, we were rotten children. I, I, I'll confess that. Yeah, I mean, you wore glasses, called you four eyes, right? Uh, were you overweight, too tall, too short? I was, I was a small, I mean, I'm short now, but I was kind of late to get any height. I was small fry bry. You know, doesn't feel good. But we dished it out as much as we as much as we got it. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty rotten as, as we were. And and if your eyes didn't quite quite line up correctly, right? Cross-eyed, call you cross-eyed. I'm not proud of that childhood, but it's what we were, right? I'm not talking about that kind of cross-eyed. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this amazing line from verse 14, where he says this. He says, "As for me." May I never boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. You know, I'm going to go on about the church a little bit. Listen, we we do everything we can to make our message understandable and accessible to those who need to hear the good news. But we do not need to make it palatable. There's a difference. And so the world's not that interested in in us as we are. Because Paul says elsewhere that to the dying, you sound like you smell like death. But to those who are living, you smell like life. That's the that's the what's happening with a believer. And so. You know, this gets back to our message of a few weeks ago, that nailed it message. I've nailed it to the cross. The inch, the, my interest in the world has died and the world's interest in me has died. And think about this. What are you most interested in? And if you wonder about that, think about your deathbed. If you were on your deathbed today, what would you be talking about to your loved ones? The car? Money? Uh, you know, what would you, what would, what would be your kind of final conversations? Or would it be saying, Trust Jesus. Put your faith in Him. That's a pretty good indication of where your interest lies. And as a believer, you want to have eyes only for the cross 
of Christ. You want to be cross-eyed. Right? Paul could have boasted about his education and his experience and his skills and his suffering for the gospel. And he mentions it elsewhere. He does talk about all that he went through for the gospel. But instead, he's got one boast. His one boast is the cross of Christ. That's the only thing that makes him right before God. And because of that, his interest in the world has died. It's been crucified. I'm just not that interested in the things of this world anymore, friends, because I've got eyes on the cross. And that perspective will remind you that this world and everything in this world is temporary. One of these things, I talked about memorial services, one of the challenges that everyone goes through when, the, when a parent passes is, what do we do with mom and dad's stuff? Some of you are thinking about that, and you're like, you've got a house full of stuff, and your kids are saying, I don't want that, mom. I don't want that, dad. And what are you going to do? And I think about, we've got, a, I've got, my wife has got bins of beautiful photo albums that we never look at. And one day, we're going to be gone, our kids are going to say, what are we supposed to do with this junk? Right? It's, it's so easy to think that everything's forever and, and, and throw ourselves into the wrong things. Okay. Nice car, right? Nice home, uh, successful business, comfortable retirement. No problem. Those things are great. God blesses us in so many variety of ways, sometimes even through material things. Fantastic. Enjoy what God's allowed you to, to earn and enjoy. That's totally, I'm totally fine with that. I've got a really fun car to drive. I love driving it, right? You see me drive a little too fast. But is that your end goal? Right? It, what about your post-retirement? What about your life in eternity? Are you preparing for that? Are you placing treasure in heaven? Are you cross-eyed? See, when someone's cross-eyed, they think differently about all this stuff. They, they serve others and in a way because they know it makes a lasting difference. How many times have I told you the story... It's eight years ago now when I was invited to consider coming to Bethany Church as a pastor. And Becky and I drove on the grounds on a Friday evening and we looked around and saw the Sod Squad had done this amazing job. Do you know we, there's a group, a small group of guys here called the Sod Squad who do just a beautiful job with these grounds. And because it looked good, we said, well, if they do a good job with the outside. Maybe we should go visit. And so it's really the Sod Squad's fault that I'm here. So, um, <laughs> Sure, you can give them a hand. They deserve it. All right? But cross-eyed people invest. They invest in the Lord's work because it takes the gospel around the world. They, they think twice about how they spend their time and how they spend their money. They, 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 they want things to count for eternity. They might even give up a comfortable life to go serve others where it's not easy to go. A cross-eyed. Are you cross-eyed? Are you boasting about anything besides the cross of Jesus that saved you from the wretchedness of sin and from the wretchedness of self-righteousness? By the way, about my little country school, everything changed uh, when a nice Christian kid, a rich city kid, moved out to the country and came to our school he didn't have regular sneakers he had leather uh stan smith adidas you remember those with the green accents on them 
he showed up with a t-shirt that said Hawaii 78. He'd been to Hawaii. He, his hair looked like someone besides his mom cut it. <laughs> Us little country kids didn't know what to do with them and we weren't very nice at first, but you know what? He was so cool and such a good kid that he, honestly, the rest of us really spartaned up and did a lot better. He's a pastor today and has been a great pastor for his life. So you can have an influence even when you're young. And uh, yeah. All right. One more thought about what really counts. You know, substance over image. We want to be cross-eyed. But what really counts, Paul says, is new creation transformation new creation transformation it's good to know stuff right it's good to know things uh, for example in the professional world education is not only valuable it's essential uh, experience as well but it's not everything some of you sometimes tell me about you know a coworker who who's you know they excelled in school but they get on the job and they just can't cut it uh, for example, let's say you make it through nursing school and you, you get to the end, but, you know, just because you got through the classes doesn't make you a competent nurse. What matters is being transformed, right, from a student, from a non-nurse into a medical professional who's competent at the tasks. That's what matters. The transformation is what you're after. That's why you go to school. That's why you get experience. And the same is true in your walk with Christ. People might be impressed if you're a Bible knowledge expert, if you've got, you know, tons of verses memorized and you, you look the part and you can deliver a good talk and it's smooth and it's wonderful. I knew a guy in a church. He led six Bible study groups in that one church through the week, every week. And everybody was in awe of his amazing knowledge. This guy studied incredibly. I mean, he knew stuff. He knew languages. He, but you know what? He was not a nice man. He was mean. He was divisive in the church. His family was a mess. He was an expert Bible teacher. But the transformation was lacking. And Paul's saying what counts is whether you've been transformed into a new creation. Paul's just saying, look, your religious credentials, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I'm after. Have you been transformed into a new creation? Are you stuck... In the same place, spiritually speaking, are you stuck in the same place today where you were two years ago? Five years ago? What about back in 2011? Are you still at the same place, the same level of understanding, the same relationship with Jesus? Or have you grown? Have you become more compassionate? Do you, do you pray? Do you meditate on God's word? Do you have a greater heart for the lost? Have the fruit of the Spirit become more evident in your life. You can ask a friend, a family member, a spouse. Are you more generous towards the Lord's work? Have you, have you restored broken relationships in your life? Have you forgiven your mom, your dad, your brother, your teacher, your pastor? Or are you still holding that grudge? Are you still holding that bitterness? Paul's saying, we want to be transformed. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. That's what we're looking for. Paul's saying that's what really counts is becoming a new creation in Christ. 
And so if you're still the old you, if nothing's changed, if, you know, if you can't really see there's any difference if you're in your life, if you're no more interested in God's word, if you're no more interested in God's people, if you look for, you know, any excuse to, to not do what God's calling you to do, maybe you have yet to surrender to the Lordship of Christ in your life. Maybe you have really yet to come to the place of laying your life down and say, Jesus, you are my leader and the Lord of my life. I want to be transformed into a new creation. And there's, there's ways that, that you do that and you develop good habits to help you along the process. I brought up here uh, for you is, is, you know, our R&R journal. I love talking about this because there's a simple Bible reading plan that just helps you stay on track and get something read every day. And you can take a few notes on what the Lord's teaching you if you, if you want to learn how to journal. I was talking to somebody recent, just this week who's like, yeah, I've been a Christian all my life, but I've never read through the Bible. And this year, I'm, you know, I'm reading through it. It's the end of May, and I've read every day this year. I'm like, that is just awesome. I'm so blessed and encouraged by that because that's the process of transformation, not, not the image of transformation, but the process. There's a tool God's word is shaping and changing and doing something on the inside. Friends, I, I do believe that we are in critical days. I really do. I think we are in crucial times. The culture around you is collapsing in on itself. Have you noticed? Even, even the culture, it's just kind of, it's just eating itself. It's just consuming itself. And cr- the craziness around you. Biblical prophecy is being fulfilled like never before. I was reading through the Psalms this week and I'm like, wait, that's happening right now. For example, the prophecy that people will return to Israel and rebuild the cities. It's actually happening before our very eyes. We are in the last days and I want you to live for the things that really count. Second Timothy chapter 3 warns us about the days we're in now. Listen to this and tell me if, if any of this sounds familiar to what we're experiencing. Second Timothy 3, starting at verse 1, says, You should know this, Paul writes to Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God and disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving and they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel. They will hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So if we're in these last times, what really counts? What really counts? Substance counts over image. Truth over narrative is what counts. Values over virtue signaling is what counts. Be a person of deepening substance in your life. What really counts? Getting cross-eyed. Living your life every day under the shadow of that empty cross. Letting Jesus direct your life. What really counts? New creation, transformation. Don't be satisfied 
with religious habits, even though I'm telling, teaching you tools to help you. Don't be satisfied with just religious habits, going to church, you know, checking the boxes. Develop the practices that are going to help you get to know Jesus and be transformed in your life with him. Let him work his new life in you and the fruit of the spirit is going to be all over your tree. What really counts? That's what we want our life to be about. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer? Father, what a great letter. Uh, you had Paul write for us. It's your words, but he, he penned them for us. And Lord, we've just been reminded over and over and over again that just becoming more religious or going through the religious motions isn't what you're looking for. What you're looking for is a heart that is surrendered to you. You're looking for lives that are trusting in Christ for forgiveness and for salvation and for a new life. And God, forgive us when we we just fall into going through the motions where we are more concerned about what others think about us than what you think about us. Lord, forgive us those times we're trying to please people instead of please you. What pleases you is our trust in you through Christ. What pleases you is our our surrender of our own desires to live under your lordship. God, that's what we want to be about. We love the freedom that you teach us about in your word. Jesus, we love that you say you've come to set us free. Free from our sin and free from our bondages to addictions and free from from our, our, our selfishness. God, I pray that even these days, even today, even today, you would lead us into the things that count, that we would lose our interest in the things of this world and we would find our desires in the cross. Life is so short. Life is so short, Lord. Help us to store in eternity what you've, what you've given to us now. We thank you for your great, great love for us. You're so good. We bless you. And in your name we pray these things. Amen. Friends, if there's anything that, you know, we've kind of grappled with over these last several weeks, uh, you don't want to talk about, about it, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I, I love to make time. If you reach out to me, I'd love to make time to have a conversation and do anything I can to kind of help unpack any of this stuff for you. But let's, let's keep pursuing what really counts. Let's stand together as we close with our shared reading together. Maybe you've got it memorized by now. And now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Comfort us and strengthen us in every good thing we do and say. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.